All right, so it was, uh, I don't remember, it was like right after the election, I had a dream, and uh, I had gotten up to pray, and uh, I went back to sleep, and as I was coming back into the room, I must have got up around 2 o'clock in the morning. I like to pray at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's where I feel like, you know, the devils are up, so we might as well just harass them for a while and, and uh, move some things around and have some fun. So how many of you like that? You like to pray like that? Somebody like, 2 o'clock in the morning? I would ne- and I, what are you talking about? Anyway, everybody, you just need to find your own time. That's the most important thing. But I like to be with God when it's quiet and... Uh, you know, the dogs are asleep, except Shushu, my male dog, he's like a 100-pound German shepherd. He loves to come in and pray with me. And uh, I mean, he doesn't really pray. He just kind of lays there. And if I pet him, he snores like a dog and purrs like a kitten, you know. So, But anyway, so I got up at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I went. this was like right after the election. And I went back into the room, and I must have woke you up, honey, because you said, uh, hey, were you praying? I said, yeah. And you said, well, I'm going to get up and pray. And that was probably around, I don't know, maybe 3.30 in the morning. Well, while she is going off into her prayer room praying, I drifted off into sleep, and I had one of the most intense dreams that I've had in a long time. And I'm not trying to be, and those of you that are watching, maybe you don't know me, I, I'm not a sensational, what do they call it, sensationalist kind of guy. You know, uh, I like to just be straight to the point, and this is what happened. So this is what happened. Uh, I have seen the face of um, the devil in a vision before, but I never had him talk to me. And... Uh, you might say, well, you shouldn't be talking to him. I didn't talk to him. He talked to me. And so anyway, uh, what happened is uh, the 46 that does not exist at this time because it has not yet been verified, certified, and there's been no inauguration. That's not a slam. I know you want to write about me, but that is not a slam. That's just the fact. It doesn't exist yet. Okay? We're still with 45 right now here, so just hold on. So, um, so anyway... Now we got that out of the way. I had this dream, and they were announcing, he was announcing that uh, he was getting, you know, that he was declaring that he was the victor and all this. Uh, uh, and so anyway, I saw everything begin to shift, and when the announcement came over the TV screen, I saw uh, the face of the devil, and he was speaking uh, across the airwaves trying to get people to believe uh, his lies that were coming out of his mouth, that this thing was over, and that... Uh, you know, he had won, and he was announcing his candidate, and all this, and all that, and it was so interesting to me that I was like, I couldn't move in the dream, and his face was hideous, his voice was horrible, and what he was doing was so convincing that I had to even shake myself, and so uh, as that happened, all of a sudden, the dream shifted, and I saw this woman with pink hair, and uh, it was Kat Kerr. Now, I've heard about her, and uh, I had heard a couple videos, uh, I think, through the years, couple, you know, last few years. And I always liked what she had to say, but I didn't really know her, didn't know much about her. But she was in the dream, and I knew it was from the Lord. Well, as soon as she heard this announcement from the devil, she, she started laughing hysterically, fell off her chair, was on the ground rolling, laughing, but she was eating cake. And I'm thinking, what in the world is all this meaning? So I went ahead, and I began to, you know, reach out to some spiritual advisors in my life, and they said, no, Hank, this is a dream from the Lord. Well, what I did not know is that God would make a connection, and uh, the Lord told me, he said, I want you to bring her in uh, before the end of this month, and I said, well, Lord, I don't even know her. You're going to have to make this happen. Well, I didn't know that God spoke to her and said, you're supposed to be in Hank's church by the end of uh, the month, and so God made a connection. So to say all that, we've got Kat Kerr coming next Sunday by the will of the Father. 
And we're going to have a great time. And I'm going to come out here and I'm going to have a piece of cake to celebrate. How many of you have ever heard of Cat Kerr? If you have not, go check her out. Cat Kerr, she's great. She's had a lot of uh, visitations to heaven as part of what her calling and anointing is, is to reveal heaven. And I think we need some people to reveal heaven. Sometimes it seems like all the books are about hell. I mean, who wants to hear a bunch of stuff about hell? I mean, I mean, it scares the hell out of you, and that's good, and I appreciate that, but we need some good news about heaven, don't we? And I didn't cuss. I did not cuss. Those of you that are thinking I might have cussed, I'm using it as an example. Scare the hell, the literal hell out of you. But anyway, get ready for next week. We'll have a great time. So, okay, are you ready? Yes. All right, open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles 20.20, and I want to talk to you about what God gave as one of the verses uh, to start this year. And uh, who would have ever thought when the Lord was speaking this, how many of you have been following our ministry and you can kind of do that hand wave? Those of you that are watching, I think there's like a hand wave emoji or something like that where you have like a hand wave. Or you just wave at the camera and disagree. As long as you're not driving, keep your hands on the steering wheel. But here's the thing. God began to speak last year about uh, August of 2019. And the word of the Lord began to come. And I remember I was flying in to meet with Brother Copeland with Matthew. We were going to spend two days privately with Brother Copeland just praying with him and and our good friend uh, Bishop Harry Jackson was with, with us at that time too. Boy, do I miss that man. But anyway, um, so we were flying in and I said to God, I said, is there a message that I can share with him? Because we we're going to pray about this new year. This was 2019. And God said to me, he said, yes. He said, Hank, what you're entering into in this new decade and the beginning of the new year will be known as the decade of difference. It's going to be very different, but don't allow that and tell that to my people, just because it will be different doesn't mean that there won't be difference. It's not always going to be that way. Different and difference, there's a difference between different and difference. And so, you know, it's really easy for us to think that it's just going to go worse or it's going to get, you know, it's just never going to get any better. That's not the decade that God revealed. The decade that we're coming into is a decade of difference that God is wanting to establish things that have been part of a new era. Now you say, what do you mean by a new era? It means a new time frame, a new season, something in the earth that has never been done, just like the golden era. How many understand that? And so God had prophesied in 2015, right here on this platform, that when a former president would die, on the day that he would die, that prophecy was revealed in October of 2015, that when a former president would die, on the day that he would die, the soil uh, in, in America would shake. Well, there was an a Alaskan earthquake, 7.0, that happened on the very day, if you all remember that, that George Bush Sr. died. And God said, when you see this sign, a death of a former president and an earthquake on the same day, know that you've entered into a new era. That means things of the old cannot exist in the new. That's why the enemy is, is, is holding on as much as he can to the old and he's trying to keep the new from happening. That's what this stall is all about. The enemy wants to interrupt the new era of what God has prophesied. So go back to August of last year. God began to say, when I was with Brother Copeland, I prophesied it to you and those of you that follow the ministry. God said it'll be a decade of difference. And he gave us a prophetic indication on how this thing would be different. He said it will be like in the days of Egypt and Israel. How many remember that? And then in September of 2019, he began to tell us that it would start off harsh. How many remember that? The decade would be harsh to start with in the new year. Well, has it been a, it's been a crazy year. It's been pretty harsh. But he said that's not the way it's going to end up. 
And he talked about, remember in September of 2019, he even said there would be plagues. You remember that? And so we're watching God do all of this. Now you say, well, Pastor Hank, you know, it's pretty frightening what's taking place. Well, if God is speaking, it's a decade of, of difference. Like in the days of Israel and Egypt, here's the good news. If you look at the prophetic pattern then, if, it, if, if history repeats itself, have I mean, you ever heard that before? God repeats himself. Ecclesiastes 1.9 says, what has been will be again. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 15 says that God seeks what passed by. In other words, or God will revisit what he did before. Oftentimes he'll revisit it again or he passes by what he has done previously. So if there is a prophetic uh, parallel here between Egypt and Israel, think about this. It was at least three plagues that we must come to a theological conclusion that Israel and Egypt must have experienced the plagues together because it wasn't until the fourth plague of the finger of God that there was some kind of difference that God noted and declared. From this moment on, there will be a difference between my people, Israel, and Egypt. So that's what God's trying to do. He's trying for His church to shine in this hour, not cower. Preachers, it's not the time to cave in and cower with your, with your apology speeches. What are you apologizing for? What you need to apologize about is you've been doing motivational speeches all these years, motivating the people that they can make it, but you're not motivated about abortion. You're not motivated about lawlessness in the streets. You're not motivated about fraud and, and, and election. Come on. Stealing. You're not motivated about a nation that's backslid. You're not motivated about getting bold behind your pulpits and telling people the truth. So God is trying to wake up his church. So in the days of Israel and Egypt, you can see the pattern. There was plagues, yes or no? Yeah. The next thing you see, if you follow this in Exodus 13 and 14, there was also a shut-in. In fact, at one point, Pharaoh said, look, we've shut them in. Have we been in a shut-in? Yeah. Then there was a standstill. They were standing on the shore of the Red Sea. They had no place to go. There was a sea to the right. There was a pursuing adversary, watch this, from the left. And they couldn't go to the north, they couldn't go to the south because of the terrain. And so they were at a standstill. It looked hopeless. How is God going to save us? I like what one preacher said. Get the how out of here. We live our whole lives. I know people that live their lives in regret because, well, how is this going to work out? How is God going to do this? How are we supposed to make this happen? Well, get the how out of here and just pursue the peace and follow God. Let him be God. I don't know how God is going to do this. All I know is after the election, uh, I, was, I was flying back from Dallas uh, with Brenda and, and with Matthew, and uh, all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. He said, by the way, he said, you're in a 70-day window. Now, this does not mean that this thing will be necessarily figured out before the 70 days or even after. We just know the outcome. See, too many people, they hear a prophetic word and they put their interpretation on it. Okay, God never said. He said, you're in a 70-day window to fight and to pray and, so, and to celebrate. And that's what we're doing. And so this it, is really an interesting time. Not only were they at a standstill, but guess what God did? God acted at the last moment. Like Marilyn Hickey always told me, God usually is not early. He's usually never late, but he's always, always last minute. 
How many of you found that out with God? How many remember back in the, in, the, in the hanging Chad moment of the Florida recount of 500 votes? I mean, we were watching for like 50 days going, God, and he's up there going, oh. <laughs> he loves messing with us. God loves a little drama. I think the Holy Spirit is so full of drama. I mean, he, it's just like, he just, he just waits until you're all panicky and afraid and wondering how he's going to do something. He just comes through, and then he just jacks everything up, and you're like, whoa, this is God. And then you go, oh, we just knew it all the time, my Lord. No, you didn't. You were scared. We were frantic. We bit our nails off. So... Think about it. Here they were, pursuing enemy from the left. The nation was at a standstill. How is God going to pull this out? And God does something that, that didn't even cross the minds of anyone. I don't think there was not anyone, including the leader, President Moses, that knew what God was going to do because God had to correct him. He said, quit shrieking like a <laughs> Nobody knew what God was going to do. There wasn't people going... Moses, stretch forth thy rod and the sea will open. There was not one person in the whole nation that had any kind of suggestion to go to that sea. So quit trying to figure out how God's going to re-elect President Donald Trump. The problem is we are making it so much about the re-election of Donald Trump. We don't realize that what we need to do, and this is why preachers quit your condole, your, what do you call it? Conceding speeches. Don't insult the Lord God of hosts. Because listen to me. God is trying to extend his hand of mercy to this nation. And he's saying, will you agree with me and fight against that? which is trying to steal your freedoms and your democracy. We ought to be outraged. We ought to be outraged. How dare you think you can steal our freedoms? How dare you think that you, the party of the non-religious, can come into power and take our religious freedoms and shut down our churches? How dare you, the party that doesn't have a regard for children in the womb, think that you can continue in your agenda? How can you not be insulted? How can you not be with righteous indignation saying, I will never concede. This is a fight for the future of our nation. And let me say this. This is not about whether the prophets missed it or not. It's about will you fight for what God said through the spokesman. He's trying to extend mercy to us. And we need some people to start standing up and say, come on, mercy. We pull you into existence over the United States of America. And God, while you bring your mercy, expose, 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 and establish righteousness, justice, law, and order. Man, I feel like I'm sending missiles out right now. Is it the command center for the whole armed forces right here in Omaha. No wonder cat curse come. We're going to send off some missiles and we're going to blast the devil. But we just need some people to fight. Amen? So look at what God said at the beginning of the year. 
My message is not going the way I studied. Oh, well. Look at 2 Chronicles 20, 20. Did the prophets miss it? Why would God choose creatively of all the years that he could have this election buffoonery to just slide in a scripture 2020? I mean, he didn't give us 3030. We're in 2020, and he just so happens to give us 2 Chronicles 2020. Now, when I had my dream, Brenda came back into the room after the devil spoke, and I saw Cat Kerr laughing on the floor. I couldn't move when I woke up, and, and my eyes were fixed up at the ceiling. And I said, Brenda! She said, what? I said, what time is it? She said, why? I said, note the time. She said, it's 445. Why? I said, note the time. She said, it's 445. I said, Brenda, there's something to that time. And she said, could it be that God is saying four more years for 45? Now, God gave, put up 2 Chronicles 2020. Make sure they can see it up on the screen. Okay, why would God give this 2020? This isn't, you know, 2 Chronicles 30, 30, believe the prophets. I mean, it's the very 2020. What year are we in? And people are crying out, I thought it was supposed to be the year of perfect vision. Are you starting to see it? I mean, some people are so blind, they need another touch on their eyes. I mean, that's the only, only miracle that we ever see. Jesus touched a blind man or a sick person twice with their eyes. Some people, they need that dumb spirit cast out of them. Look at what he says. God is saying, Number one, believe the Lord your God. Do you really believe that God is going to take his hand off of this nation? When there has been people that are praying. See, we make the same mistake that Abraham did. When God is trying to save Sodom and Gomorrah, you can say all day long and, and get in agreement and great theological discussion about how wicked Sodom and Gomorrah was. The bottom line, God was wanting to save it. Or he would have never come down and talked to his friend Abraham, the prophet of God. But the prophet or the, 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 the man of God got into what a lot of Christians are doing. They start putting their terms on what it takes to get God to move his hand. Oh, the church is all backslidden. Well, how many do we need? It's never everybody. God always has a remnant. And Abraham was the one that started the countdown. Well, you saved Sodom and Gomorrah for 50. And God said, well, there isn't 50 righteous. If he would have just said, will you save it for me? Man, the whole history book of the Bible could have been turned around the same way. Rather than just, you know, listen to the news and let that Jezebel spirit feed you and, and start attacking the prophets and attacking God, why don't you turn the thing off, right? Eat some cake. Amen. Go out and get a big old juicy hamburger. Or if you're not into meat, get a veggie burger, whatever, you know, you like. Eat a piece of cardboard, put ketchup on it, whatever you want. If you feel like your life's in prison, go get water and ice and a piece of bread, whatever. But start celebrating. Because God said, this is the year to believe me. Believe the Lord. Why are we doubting him? Why are we not in agreement with him? Do you think God wants a country of the non-religious affiliation? No. 
What an insult. And if you put a check mark and you voted for that, you ought to go talk to God about it. I don't think he likes your choice. Well, I don't like Trump. Well, God doesn't like what the other stands for. And what you just legislated as a possibility to manifest. You don't realize the power of your vote. And here's the thing. You know why a lot of people don't? Realize the power of it. You're willing to concede when there is evidence. Now, the attorneys cannot come out and tell you everything or what you're trying to prove can start forming a case against you to disprove you. And let me just say this. Quit putting all your hope and trust in the Supreme Court to decide this the lawyers to decide at church. God's waiting for you. You stand up and start declaring the outcome. So, the, the enemy, bless you, you can be seated. The enemy has, I like preaching to you. Ushers, thank you for paying the people ahead of time to clap. You must have paid them well. They're doing a great job. I think you guys are terrific. I think you're huge. Listen, I think you're terrific. We're going to win this thing. I think it's going to be huge. Let's just, let's just, I think it's going to be great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you. I think this is terrific. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. So, I just did that because it irritates some of you, and I enjoyed it. Thank you. Let me just say this. Be careful when you start messing with the prophets. There was a story in 2 Kings where they thought they could call a prophet baldy. Like 42 young boys and two bears came out and ate them. You talk about an overbearing story. I mean, my goodness. So remember the bear necessities. Don't mock the prophets. <laughs> okay. Are you all here today? Oh! I feel like roaring like a lion. Yeah! Come on, shout! <laughs> Amen. Praise God. All right. So believe the prophets and you will be established, or believe God and you'll be established. Believe the prophets and what will happen? Something will prosper. Now, the enemy has set traps. Here's what he's tried to do. Now, we're going to get into some content. Number one, he wants to get the nation and the church leaderships to give up and concede. Why? So he can destroy the democracy of this nation to destroy the church while, he, while he's at it. So don't concede. Look at your neighbor, and if you already conceded, you can unconcede. Because I'm not conceding. I'm not conceding. In fact, where's that flag? I'd hug it again and let them take a picture and put me all over Newsweek like they did before. I'd love to be back on Newsweek again. Maybe I should just kiss the flag again. But they're trying to destroy our nation and our democracy. Don't concede. That's the trap of the devil. Number two. The next thing he's trying to do is to get the church to back off so that they can become sleepy. Now, I told you there's three types of sleep that are going. Remember when Jacob, God came and visited Jacob, and he didn't even know it. That's where some Christians are at. 
They don't realize that we are in the middle of a visitation of God and His glory. And they're so asleep that they don't have a clue that this isn't about whether a, you know, President Trump is reelected, even though it has a lot to do with it in the sense of how God will facilitate reformation and revival. But really what this is about is the devil is scared that if, if, if as this thing gets turned around, that we're going to see a major great revival like he's losing his grip. So then there's the sleep of Samson. You know what the sleep of Samson is? Samson got hanging around this, this girl named uh, Delustful or whatever her name was. <laughs> Delilah. Yeah, it was Delilah. And she was talking a real good talk, blinking those eyes and moving her hair like that. And talked that guy right out of his anointing. And that's the same thing. There's been a spirit that has, has gotten on preachers and churches that everything has to be perpendicular. I mean, rather than preach bold, it's, we're so honored and glad that you're here today, and I'm scared of every one of you. I'm not afraid of any of you. All right. I'm not afraid of man, beast, or police. I respect them, though. All right. Number three. The sleep of Eutychus. Remember I told you that's that guy that fell asleep in Acts 20? But number three, the enemy, not only does he want to get you to concede, number one, number two, get sleepy, number three, he wants you to attack each other. House divided can't stand. I've never seen so many people ugly, mean-spirited, nasty, right? I mean, we're, you can tell we are Christians by our hate. That's not how the song goes. We can tell we are Christians by our love. Number four, the enemy wants you to attack God and his prophets. Why? So we won't fight. This fight is about God's mercy for the United States. Well, Pastor Hank, do you mean that we have a choice? Put up Jeremiah 18, verses 7 through 10. Yes, yes, and more of a yes. I believe in all my heart that God as they put up Jeremiah 18. This, this is important because God says, at what instant that I will speak concerning a nation? So who's he speaking to? Speaking to a nation. And how does he speak to a nation? He speaks prophetically through his prophets. Concerning a kingdom, watch this. If, if I look at a nation and they deserve judgment to the point where I have to pluck it up and pull it down and destroy this nation. Now watch. So God says, I want to extend my, my judgment. If that nation against whom I've pronounced turns from their evil, I will turn of the evil or the judgment that I thought. Bingo, that's right where we're at. This isn't about, oh, the prophets missed it. I'll never believe another prophet in all my life. And yet you'll go out and read the horoscope. Or, you know, you're at that little restaurant where they have that little cookie. And you see it laying on the other table and the people got up you're like honey go get those fortune cookies it could be our destiny revealed you'll put more faith in a fortune cookie sitting on a table than you will from those who spend time in the face of god in his throne room we are in a place this isn't about did the prophets miss it i'm doing my greatest british accent did the prophets miss it 
And God's up there in his King James voice going, oh, stop it. Why are you making all of this ado, church? This is not a matter of whether my prophets missed it. This is about whether you will believe the holy words that I have spoken from my mouth through my holy... And you, wait a minute, you can't blink. Through my holy prophets. So this is where we're at. We have a choice. Just lift up your hands and say, God... We receive mercy. We pull that mercy into this nation. Everything shifts for good, for righteousness. That means throw away those dumb votes that don't exist, that are made up. Fraud. Throw it out, God. Amen. Now, Let's establish a couple things. So, look at Amos 3.7. Does God, when he wants to do something in the earth, how does he decide to do it? He does it through prophets. And people say, well, I don't believe that prophets exist today. Well, I don't believe that your opinion exists today. <laughs> now, when it comes to God, he looks at you and laughs and goes, really? You're that uneducated? Amos 3, 7, surely the Lord God will do what? Nothing. nothing. Nothing means nothing means nothing means nothing. But he reveals his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. Now, one of the things you have to understand is there is no way on this side of heaven that you have the track record of many of the leading voices that have been prophesying, and those of you that are watching, listen, for so long to all of a sudden not, you know, for, for God's word, what he's saying to come to pass. Again, it's not so much what the prophets are saying, it's what the people are going to believe in and, and help fight to bring it into manifestation. So God doesn't do anything. He has a symphony. He has a, he has a, there's a congruency that begins to happen. When God wants to say something in the earth, he'll start grabbing his prophets and those that you know, have, have paid a price, and they'll start resounding or sounding the same kind of sound or frequency. Different words, but it'll be the same theme. Okay, none of them prophesied the 46 that they're trying to put out there right now. Look at Ezekiel 7, verse 26. One of the things I love about God is in times of crisis and challenges, look at what the Lord does. He's amazing. Look at what he does. He doesn't leave us without hope, but watch this verse. And if they could put up in the Amplified, this is so powerful. Disaster will come upon disaster. So there will be times where things will be kind of rough. Rumors will be heaped upon rumors. I think there's a lot of rumors that are going on right now. Then the people will seek a vision from what? A prophet. Why will they have to go to a prophet? Well, God doesn't do anything in the earth unless he reveals it to his prophets. But notice what, the, what, what happens with the priests or what are the preachers. Because, you could say rather than the word but, you could say because the law or the word and guidance will be lost from the preachers. Because they're selling out. When disasters come, rumors come, they buy into the rumors. They side with the disasters rather than what God is saying. And so that's why you can't trust the word coming out of their mouths and you can't trust the guidance of the priests or the, or the preachers. And wise counsel will cease from even the elders. Like, who can you believe? 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20. Believe the Lord and you'll be established. 
Believe his prophets, and what will happen? You'll prosper. And so, you know, uh, look at Ezra chapter 5, verse 2. I don't have time to build all this, but let's just look at it for just a moment. So the prophets, notice it says in Ezra 5, 2, then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shalidah, and, and the other guy, and we don't know how to pronounce their names, and we don't care. <laughs> Forgive me if your children is named uh, Jeshua and Josadadak or whatever. And he began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem, and with them were the prophets of God. So the prophets of God are to help us, yes. not hurt us. Yes. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. This is God's list. This is New Testament. God does bless the prophets. And God has sent some in the church. First apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, Gifts of healing, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. So how many know that's God's list? So if God put this in the church, New Testament, we have no right to take it out. Ephesians 4.11, I'll quote this one. And he gave some apostles, some prophets. This is Jesus choosing this. And some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So we can see even in the New Testament, God brought prophets. Now, I want to talk for a moment. How do you discern prophecy? This is very important that I teach this to you. So when you're hearing prophetic words, always remember what is called human filters. How many know what a human filter is? Everything, for example, have you ever had a dream at night and you, you say, man, that dream is so God, but there's a piece in that dream that you're like, now, I had this dream and, and, and God was calling me to the ministry, but all of a sudden then Mickey Mouse showed up. <laughs> well, why did, oh, I, can't, I probably can't say that because Disney will probably just... Cut that out. Cut that out of the tape because I'll just have, this, this service will not be allowed to be on Facebook. Take that out. I, there's a copyright violation there perhaps. That's what they did on our last one. So take it out. Um, so there was some kind of cartoon character. Take that out in the back. Make a note of that right now. I'll give you a minute to exit out if you can. So is that crazy? If you don't think this thing is fixed, you can't even post anything that says election, you know, is going to, you know, this thing's not over. You can't mention the name Trump and cuss on Facebook or they'll just put out this statement, you know, like, you know, the election has already been decided. Well, who are you, Facebook? I wish I could respond back. Shut up, Jezebel. So, you all here today? I got my sword out and you're all just like... Okay, so... Are you with me? So you have a dream. There, I was trying to remember what I was saying. So, so you have a, this dream, and in the dream, you have this, this, this strange part. Couldn't even say that word that rhymes with oofy. So you have this strange part. It's because your own human filter gives in. Maybe you saw something on television, or maybe you were thinking about something, talking about something. You didn't realize it, that your soul, as the dream was coming from the spirit realm down inside of you, that it had to be filtered through your own human emotions, what you've been feeding on, what you've been listening to. There's human filters. This is why Samuel, in 1 Samuel 16, could go as a powerful prophet of God to the house of Jesse with a word in his mouth from God to anoint the next king of Israel. And he's standing there looking at Eliab, this handsome dude, the firstborn of the house of Jesse, and he thinks that that's the Lord's anointed. His human filter was involved, and God even had to correct him and say, Stop it, prophet. You are looking or judging uh, on the outward appearance. You're filtering it through your soul, and I'm trying to get you to connect in the spirit. 
This is why in the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, an angel came and made him eat the scroll and it had to go from his head down into his belly. Because it has to go through your soul and come down inside of your spirit. It's not just the prophet that has to have the human filter of their own soul involved. But when you interpret prophecy, you have to be careful that you don't put your own soulical interpretation on it. Because you've been feeding the news, so you discount the word, you attack the prophets, and begin to concede and go with what Facebook says. Has Facebook been a trusted prophetic voice? Has the news stations been a trusted prophetic voice? Then what are you believing them for? So, there's three realms that information comes. The first realm, which is the uh, media realm, you could say, the, you know, the conversation realm in the earth. The second realm is the warfare realm, where the heavenlies are. The devil's the, Ephesians 2, verse 2, he's the prince of the power of the air. And so what he tries to get you to do is pull his will, his agenda to the earth and come into agreement. Well, how does he do it? Through the airways, through people. But then there's the third heaven where the information comes right from the heart of God. Prophecy in its purest form. This is why it's dangerous to attack God's true prophets because you're attacking the sacred thing called God's heart. True prophecy is God's heart, his mind, his will, and his intent spoken. And we have to steward over that. That's why we got to pull this thing into existence. Oftentimes we think that prophecy is automatic, so we got to understand. How many know what FCC is? The, in the, this is the Communications of the Airways, Federal Communications Commission. But when you judge prophecy, it is also. It is faith, number one, you got to have faith. Prophecy must be mixed with faith. Hebrews 4.2, put that up. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. Most people think it's just the written word. But the word preached or the word prophesied did not profit them. Why? Because it wasn't mixed with faith. So not only do you, when you hear the word of God, when it comes forth, you got to mix it with faith, but you also have to, with the prophetic, you've got to mix it with faith when it's a true trusted prophet. Are, are you here? That's why Jesus said in, in Mark four, if you understand the parable of the sower who sows the word, you understand all things that pertain to the kingdom of God. So when God wants to speak something, not only out of his word, but through his prophets, he will sow the word. He will sow the prophetic word through the prophet. And what did the devil immediately do when the word or the seed was sown? Remember, he came immediately to try to steal the word. What we're seeing right now is not, this is why you should not be attacking the prophets, it's not that the prophets missed it, it's the enemy wants you to attack them to steal the word that was sown so that God could extend mercy over this nation. That's why 1 Timothy 1.18 says, wage a good warfare by the prophecies that have been given to you. That through those prophecies you can hold faith, a good conscience, and even avoid shipwreck. So that's the number one. Second thing in FCC is you need choice. Man's choice is involved. Okay, look at, uh, remember Joshua and Caleb? Joshua and Caleb were two true prophets. They had the heart, mind, will, and intent of God. That was that they could take the, the promised land. But 10 false prophets came back and affected a whole generation. Joshua and Caleb were not false prophets. They were just trying to tell the people what God said, but the, the nation chose different. That's really where we're at. 
We're at a place, the prophets have declared it, the prophets have said it, now will you believe it? Yeah, we are, we're going to have it, man. Say, we're going to have it, we're going to have the mercy of God. So look at Matthew 23, 37. Jesus is quoting this, he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that kills the prophets, and you stone even those which I sent unto you. So these were true prophets sent from God. God wouldn't have sent them false prophets. He sent them true prophets, but what did they do? They stoned them. He said, how often I would have gathered your children together. In other words, he said, man, I had an agenda, but my agenda didn't happen because you, notice who he leaves the responsibility to. I would have done this like a chicken, mother chicken or whatever you call it, a hen that gathers her chicken underneath the wings, but you would not. So man's choice was involved, yes or no? Okay. The third thing we have to understand is there's what is called conditions, okay? Things are conditional. That's why it says in 2 Chronicles Chronicle 7, what is it, uh, 14, if my people which are called by my name. So there's certain conditions. Jeremiah 18, you know, if I, God says, listen, if I send a prophet and I have this word that, you know, judgment's going to come, but if the people shift. And let me say this, I believe that 71 million people proved that that Jeremiah 18 is going to go the way of good. There was more people that wanted check marks next to uh, ending abortion, friend of Israel, religious liberties, right? Amen? All right, let me teach you something also. Is there ever a time, and, and I want you to see this, because people, they, they, get, they get crazy when it comes to, um, to the prophetic. Can, see, people make a big deal out of accuracy, and I, I don't know if I want to go this route. Let me just see. You know, let, let, me show you, let me show you Deuteronomy 18, and you can read Deuteronomy 13 for your homework assignment and find Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5, that the false prophet was accurate, okay? You can see that. That's, that was the conclusion I wanted you to see, and yet that, that false prophet had to be stoned. But you can also see in Deuteronomy 13 with your homework that that same standard uh, or condition that was put upon that false prophet was also upon relatives, family members that would do the same thing. It wasn't just uh, uh, inclusive to, to a prophet being stoned. People always forget that. They want to stone the prophets, but they don't realize other relatives, if they were guilty of the same thing of the false prophet, they would be stoned too. So read that in your homework. Deuteronomy 13, those of you that are watching. But Deuteronomy 18, look at verses 20 through 22. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. Now notice what he did. They falsely claim to speak in my name. That word falsely, you have to understand, is also the word presumptuously. And in the Hebrew, you could read it like this. Any prophet who, who purposefully, rebelliously, with hot intention, deceives. So what was the stipulation for the prophet to die? They had to have a purposeful intent, rebellious intention to deceive. Otherwise, the verse or the chapter would not continue. It would be end of discussion, no condition. Yes or no? Watch, God puts a condition in. Verse 21, but you may wonder, how will we know whether or not that a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, a true prophet, but his prediction or prophecy does not happen or come true, you then must need to be mature enough to realize the Lord did not give that message. The prophet has spoken without my authority and needs not what? 
Doesn't need to be stoned. Doesn't need to be feared. Now, there's times, though, that the Lord did give a true message. But it was not mixed with faith. It was man, or the choice of man, didn't do their part. And God's condition wasn't met. FCC. So don't just throw stones just because something doesn't look like it's coming to pass. And here's the other thing. The biggest problem with the prophetic community is they're not patient. They don't wait until things, you know, come to pass. Okay? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Listen, I've carried this word about a New York president since 9-11. And that the president would get two terms. That's why I'm not messing around. And I even ministered privately with Kim Clement to Mayor Giuliani and spoke what God is saying and what's happening. So I'm not moved by this stuff. But I will tell you, sometimes how you think something is going to play out doesn't. Until later on you see it and you go, oh, so that's what that meant. Are you here? So I want to show you something. How, how would you like to be the prophet Isaiah? I'm going to just close with this. If they could uh, please come to the piano. I must have had a lot of sauce in my... Uh... Am I saucy today, Brenda? I don't know. It must have been the chicken yesterday or something. But I want to show you this real quick because think about Hezekiah. You know, we're so quick to, to stone the messengers of God. So Hezekiah comes, and this was not some hidden word. You don't go to the king and say, set your house in order, you're going to die. That prophecy was out there. That prophecy probably went through all of Jerusalem, Israel, that the prophet had come and declared that the king would die. No conditions were put on that prophecy. Yes or no? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and God changed his mind, and the prophet was never stoned. His prophecy wasn't true. He said he was going to die. There was nothing in there. Turn your face to the wall, and God says, inconceivable, you'll live. Never said that at all. How about Prophet Jonah? Goes to a place called Nineveh. No conditions put on it. Forty days, you all are toast. And he leaves. The people change. Prophet Jonah's not stoned. Probably wanted to get stoned, I'm sure. That was a joke. If you don't like it, just retract it. It's all good. But, but here's the thing. I mean, he probably wanted that because, listen, he wanted to hide. He was hiding. He was mad because his word didn't come to pass. There was no conditions put on the prophecy. Nineveh, you're done. He never said, if you will pray, fast, set cloth and ashes, God will change his mind. He never, not one time in the prophecy did it say it. Otherwise, why is he so mad? Because it made him look like he was a false prophet. Sometimes we're so quick to deem something or someone as false, and we don't even know what the, what the true qualifications of it. And in fact, that's not even the standard of the New Testament. The New Testament in 1 Corinthians 14, there was no stoning. It wasn't even the people that, that really judged the words of the prophecy. It was the other prophets. When the prophets spoke, 1 Corinthians 14, the other prophets were to judge their words. Now, it's not saying you can't judge it or, or have a say or use your brain or your spirit. It just means we put a lot of stipulations on things. Think about this. One of the things that made a prophet a false prophet was that they would draw people away from God into other idols. Aaron, Moses' brother, Exodus 7, verses 1 through 2, calls, calls uh, 
Aaron a prophet. So he was a prophet. And he did exactly what a false prophet does. He convinced the people to worship and create a false image. He drew the people away from God with his words and with his actions. That's what a false prophet did. Moses now, with the law of God that I just read out of Deuteronomy 18 and 13, fresh in his hands, if there's any time to enforce the law, it would be at the time that his brother did exactly guilty what a false prophet does. Yet you never read anywhere that they picked up stones and went after Aaron the prophet. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 28. King Josiah was a powerful reformer. And God prophesied to him through a prophetess named Huldah. Everyone say Huldah. Huldah was from uh, Sweden or something. So let's talk about Huldah. So in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 28, look at Huldah's prophecy. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to thy grave in peace. So how is he going to be, how is he going to die? Huh? What's the prophecy said? Man, you're going to die in peace. Neither shall your eyes see all the evil that I'll bring upon this place. So that was her prophecy. Now, look at 2 Chronicles 35. How did King Josiah die? And the archers shot King Josiah. And the king said to his servants, take me away for I'm severely wounded. Does that sound like you're dying in peace? Yes or no? Mm-mm. And, and therefore his servants took him out of that chariot and put a second chariot that he had. And so he died and was buried in the tomb of his father. Lastly, go ahead and stand your feet. How about the mighty Elijah? Surely Elijah never missed it. Really? See, we base everything. Let me just say this. Let me blast your religious bubble. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that the prophets could never miss it and had to be 100% right. That is a Jezebel spirit that put that unrighteous, unbiblical standard so that she could operate through you to kill God's servants and their words. Doesn't ever say. Yes, but what about Samuel's words that never fell to the ground? First of all, you have to understand. If you read that also in context, it wasn't just Samuel's words that didn't fall to the ground. It was God's word in Samuel or God's agenda through Samuel. He came at a time of great corruption. And God was prophesying the very lineage of David, the throne of David, that Jesus the Messiah would sit on. And God could not afford that any of those words would not be upheld because of the destiny that was at stake, not only of the throne of David, but of the Messiah. Not only that, because of the corruption that took place in the land, God had to have a young man who not only had his words upheld, but his integrity, that he did not sell out like the other false prophet or the priests or their sons. So it wasn't just that his words, you know, were 100% accurately full. I don't believe that. I believe because even at the house of Jesse, you saw the prophet having to operate in his own human filter. So... We have to understand that it was about the heart. It was about the intent to deceive. What they did as a prophet, did they, did they turn people away from God? Were people who were prophesying about Trump, was it to turn you away from God and to deceive you purposefully? Some people probably think so, but anyway, that's your, that's your story. You can keep it. But look at Elijah. Read us out of the New Living Translation. This is extremely powerful. So he prophesies to Ahab, and, and, and for the sake of time, 
he, he, God says, give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough, Ahab, that you killed Naboth? You robbed him. You, you took from him. But because you've done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they lick the blood of Naboth. So God is prophesying, man, you're going to die just like Jezebel. And he goes on and talks about how his wife's going to die. Jezebel, the dog's going to lick up her blood. And, 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 and Ahab freaks out, man. What would you do if a prophet came to you and prophesied that the dogs are going to eat your blood and eat your bones or lick your blood and eat your bones? So this is the prophecy. Elijah says, you're going to die. So is your wife. And the dogs are going to eat your blood or lick your blood. But notice what happens. I want you to see. Verse, and in fact, the Bible even says that through the prophecy that Elijah called out that he was such a wicked king. But look at verse 27. And it came to pass when Ahab heard these prophecies. He rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh, fasted, lay in sackcloth, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because there's a FCC condition, man's choice. Come on. See? I will not bring the evil in his days. God never gave a condition. He said, this is how you're going to die. Well, how come it didn't happen? Because not every prophecy that comes out of a prophet's mouth, you don't have to do anything or it's automatic. It's going to play out this way. No, there's conditions involved. And right now, what I'm trying to show you is God has been saying, this is what I want to do. I'm extending mercy, extending mercy, extending mercy. I'm extending mercy. I'm reviving this nation. I'm not taking my hand off this nation. I'm extending my arms of preservation. And what we got to do, rather than do what Jezebel wants, attack the prophets, we need to be like Obadiah in 1 Kings 18 that protected and hid the prophets and say, no, God, I'm praying for them. And what I'm doing is I'm coming into agreement with your heart through the prophets that you want to bless this land. And we are going to pull that into existence that we will see mercy. The Red Sea will open up. The left pursuit will have to see red. The nation will have to see red. Something is going to open up and begin to break through for the people of God, for the nation, for the righteous. Father, we call it into existence and we cry out, mercy! Mercy, God. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, just simply say, Jesus, say this with me, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. Amen. Now, just touch your head lastly. Say, I'm not going to fear. Not going to be overcome by anxiety. But the spirit of truth rests upon me I speak truth I hear truth I align with the spirit of truth therefore I will not fear my mouth my words declare mercy I will not concede neither were you God we call on you God the righteous judge judge this thing righteously expose and bring your justice Avenge us speedily from our adversaries that have tried to steal, kill, and destroy. It will not happen. Thank you, God. Give him one last shout of praise. Amen.